Grace, mercy, and <clears throat> excuse me, peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. You probably know the names on this list. You might not know a lot of details about them, but here they are. Attila the Hun. Charlemagne. Cyrus. Alexander the Great. Genghis Khan. You might not know the details, but you probably know that they are among the world's greatest conquerors. Yeah, they're all on horses. Well, two of them aren't, but the world's greatest conquerors. And I was wondering, I was thinking about this as I was looking at these people and thinking, well, what makes a conqueror a conqueror? How do you define uh, to conquer? And the first definition I came, I came along said, um, one who subjugates. Does that clear it up for you? To subjugate. Bring under domination, usually by use of force, especially military force. And so we had a discussion in our elders meeting about that this week. And I kind of said, well, how would you define kind of conquering today, right? You don't really see this kind of thing. And if you do, there's a, uh, a backlash against it. How would you define it today? And Adam Tykwinski said, well, it's to be in control or to exert power over something or someone. All right, to exert power or control over something or someone. To crush it, right, in a certain aspect of life. And so then you can look at, you can say, well, I don't know about, you know, conquerors like this. Um, I don't know when they lived and what they did, maybe. But maybe, and you probably know about conquerors in, let's say, the business world, right? So Elon Musk, right? The Tesla guy, SpaceX guy, uh, who is worth, what is it, $240 billion, yes, with a B. Jeff Bezos from uh, Amazon, Bill Gates, you know, those guys. The guys that make an indelible mark on industry, uh, change the landscape of that industry, and make lots of money while they're at it, right? Fortunes that are just staggering. And maybe you think, you know, in some ways I'm a conqueror. I'm a world shaker, a kingmaker, a power broker. Not a care in the world. The world is my oyster. But the thing is this, a conqueror may take the business world by storm, a conqueror might command a mighty army, a conqueror might dominate in certain aspects of life, but conquerors cannot and do not control everything. Now this is a truth that even a secularist and an atheist can understand, totally. And you guys know I have an English background, so I... This came to mind, Percy Shelley. You might say, I don't know who that is either. Um, he's got a masterpiece, a poem called Ozymandias, Greek uh, name for an Egyptian pharaoh. And in Shelley's poem, there is this pharaoh, this mighty conqueror. And on his statue, there is an inscription. And here's what it is, pays testimony to his greatness. My name is Ozymandias, King of Kings. 
Look on my works, ye mighty, and despair. Now there's irony in this. Because that's all what's left. What has been said about Ozymandias may have once been true. But in the time of the poem, Ozymandias, the man, and Ozymandias' empire, there's nothing left really but dust and ashes. And Shelley based his poem on a real-life discovery of, a, of that head and torso fragment of a statue of Ramesses II. Uh, dating from the 13th century B.C., if you didn't know when he ruled. So earlier in 1816, there's this Italian ar archaeologist, boy, you can't get any more Italian than this, Giovanni Battista Belzoni, removed the almost seven-ton fragment from Thebes, Thebes in Egypt. And again, in the poem, in real life, a statue is all that's left of his legacy. And it reinforces the harsh legacy that we already know, but don't like to talk about. The greatest empires, the greatest, fall prey to charge a change and decay. Conquerors themselves fall prey to sin and death. Their kingdoms fall, they fall, it comes to an end. Right? Conquerors themselves fall prey to sin and death. Now there's two things that we can really talk about. Sin and death. Maybe they're the true conquerors. Look on my works, ye mighty, and despair. Because none of you, none of you have mastery over those two things. None of us do. But then there's something curious in today's text uh, from Romans 8. And Paul says, you are more than a conqueror. Do you feel that way? <laughs> Did you feel that way when you got up this morning? Oh, eat my coffee, right? Maybe there's pain and loss in your life that have been so great so cumulative that sometimes you feel like God is playing a game with your life. Maybe like Job felt, right? Maybe you think your life is there sometimes for a God's savage amusement, right? So Paul quotes this, this way of thinking in the Scripture for today. To put it in today's text, in terms for today's text, right? We can take this attitude... For your sake, we're being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Nothing more. Right? We can take this attitude. We're there for God's savage amusement. When pain strikes, when disaster strikes, when sorrow strikes, it can create doubt about God's love for us. And there's all kind of things that can happen, right? Perhaps you were once the envy of the neighborhood with a picture-perfect family. Now that family is broken due to an addiction beyond your control. Maybe you made, made your way to the top in, 
in your business. Only to see dwindling profits in your company. And despite your considerable loyalty and hard work, you get the news that you've fallen prey to restructuring or downsizing. You can't control. Maybe your clean bill of health has been met with unfavorable news of a worsening disease that is ravaging your body and you can't control it. Maybe your investments are headed in the wrong direction, right? Whose isn't? Or maybe even disappeared altogether and you think, what am I going to do? Maybe that relationship that you invested so much time in has, has soured again. Maybe that pandemic that you would rather forget recently claimed another loved one. And maybe amid all of this, you think God has forgotten about me. God doesn't care about me. God is punishing me for something that I did. With all of life's problems, with all of life's sorrows, with all of life's ups and downs, you might categorize yourself in many and various ways, but a conqueror, I mean really, probably isn't one of them. So Paul wants us to do something. God wants us to do something. Instead of dwelling on what we think God didn't do, Paul wants us to remember, and God wants us to remember, what he did do. And Paul wants us to know that we shouldn't be thinking about what we think God should do, but what he is doing, and that he's doing it for us because he loves us. So Paul says, God is for you and God is with you. How do we know? How do we know? Like many things, God doesn't just stay removed, right? God broke into human history, as he often does. He's got a history of doing that. Broke into human history. And when God sent Jesus, he did not spare his only son, but graciously delivered him up for us all, for you. Jesus was born, think about this, Jesus was born to die for you. A man of sorrows, right? Acquainted with grief, rejected and beaten by his own people, tortured and bloodied by the Romans, sentenced to death by mob justice. This is the coming king? This is the Messiah? This is what God's going to do? People are expecting something grand. People are expecting Jesus to really be a conqueror because that's what the Bible talks about. Man, they're expecting Him to do all kinds of stuff. But there's no military strike or insurrection against Rome. There's nothing like that. 
There's no fire from heaven. There's no legions of angels to dispatch the enemy and rescue. In fact, as Jesus is taken prisoner in Gethsemane, Peter does the only thing that he think the only thing he can think of, and that is strike with the sword. And yet Jesus says, "Put it away. He who lives by the sword shall die by the sword." And then he goes about doing something unexpected, healing Malchus, right? The person who was injured. He doesn't really look or behave like those guys. He doesn't really seem like a conqueror at all. And we still think that way. Jesus doesn't come down from the cross until He gives up His last breath. He doesn't look like a conqueror at all. You've heard it so often that maybe you're deaf to it. Maybe it hasn't really sunk in. I mean into your mind, into your heart, into your soul, those words, for you, with you. That for your sake, Jesus did all these things. Each and every moment. And for His sake, God forgives you all your sins. And Paul goes into a lengthy, lengthy thing about all the things that God has done for you in your life. It's before today's reading. But then he says, well, what shall we say to these things? The things that come before all these things that God has done. If you want to, look it up. I would encourage you to do it. We'll stay within the text. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own Son, but gave him up for us all, for you, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? You may not feel like a conqueror. You might come to church and say, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of conquering happening. But you are more than a conqueror through him who loves you. Another definition for conquer is to eliminate. Or minimize. I think we should do it the other way. Minimize or eliminate. Now I want you to think about that for a moment. Minimize or eliminate. Evil. Sin. Death. All the negative cosmic powers. Even all the positive ones. In the universe. Jesus has power over them all. Jesus took the power of sin and death and broke them. He shattered them. He conquered them. And here's the difference between His rule and every other rule. His rule and reign and authority lasts forever and ever. And it lasts over every, and I do mean every, power and dominion. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Him. Weep not, Revelation says, for the Lion of the tribe of Judah has triumphed. Psalm 110, which you might think is about David. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make 
your enemies your footstool. The New Testament writers, they say that's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. Despite tragedy, disappointment, setbacks, sorrow, Paul calls you more than a conqueror because disappointment, setbacks, and sorrow do not have the final word. They do not have the final power over you. Despite all these things that Paul says, tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger or sword, even death, Paul calls you more than a conqueror because those things do not have the final word or power over you. But Jesus does. We've been using a military motif for most of the sermon, right? Conqueror. But the real heart of the text for today, it's, it's a legal matter. It's a courtroom. Paul's message takes us into the courtroom. In Christ, God justifies. I know that's a $10 word. What does that mean? He says you are not guilty. He exonerates you. He declares you righteous for the sake of of our Lord Jesus Christ not only died for you, was raised for you. That should give us a clue. And even now, you're like, well, what's going on? Where is God? Well, here's where Jesus is. He's interceding for you. That means He's before the Father's throne. He's at the Father's side, pleading your case, serving as an eternal reminder that He took your punishment, your scorn, your shame, your death, your separation from God, and made them His own and conquered them. Those powers are powerless. Problems, failures, regret, sorrow, sin, death, the power of the devil. Some days you might just feel, I give up. Take heart. These conquerors are living on borrowed time. Your life in Christ is not. You are more than a conqueror for him, through Him who loves you. You are baptized into Christ. You are a child of paradise. right? From the hymn, God's own child, I gladly say it. I'll leave you with some final words from Paul. They're more eloquent than mine. Here's what he writes. Earlier in chapter 8, there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. And if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, And he who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will also give eternal life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. (laughs) I'd say that's more than a conqueror. Amen. And may the peace which surpasses all human understanding guard your hearts and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.